Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your Happy Monday, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. Can you believe it's already October 30? I cannot. It's amazing how quickly this month is winding down, which means that there's one last week to get the word out and be inviting our friends and neighbors to come out this Sunday to Livingston Church for our special lesson on the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yes, November 5th, we're going to have that special Bring a Friend Day. Mm-hmm. We think you're a friend. We want you to come. Hey, if you're listening to Text Talk, you're absolutely a friend. Yeah. So please come. Yeah, join us. All right, so we're going to talk about John eight thirty two. Oh, look at this. Guess what we're reading this week? What are we reading? John 8. Hey, aren't you preaching on John 8 this Sunday? I am. (laughs) Synergy. It all goes together. There might be a method to our madness. But today we're not going to read John 8, 32. We're just going to read the first 11 verses from John chapter 8. I will be reading out of the English Standard Version. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and rode on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Jesus said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. There's a lot going on in this reading. I love this account. It's one of those things to uh, to remember. But here's a couple of observations I have just uh, out of the gate. First, uh, we've learned in the last couple of chapters that the Pharisees are trying to kill Jesus. Yes. Like it said that straight up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to kill him because he healed a man on a Sabbath, and they want to kill him because uh, he made himself equal with God, and they understood that to be blasphemy. So, I, you know, and, and we're told here that they were seeking to test him. So there's nothing genuine, I guess. <laughs> Not a legit <laughs> about question. This scenario. Not a legit question. Um, I'm with you. Even at that, I, I pick up another theme here that we've been tracing through John, and that is uh, talking about Moses and one that are greater than Moses is here mm-hmm. uh, because you have Moses being mentioned and the law being mentioned. And then how does Jesus handle the situation? And it kind of puts me back in mind of, of where we began in John 1 in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And there's a great emphasis upon truth in John chapter 8. But in this first 11 verses, I think we see some exercise of, of a grace and a mercy uh, that, that, one, you know, that adulterers may not expect to find under the law of Moses. Jesus clearly understands they're testing him. His initial reaction is to ignore it, but they keep pushing on it. I've always wondered what on earth he wrote on the ground here. Oh, yeah. We'll not be able to answer that question this week. No. I mean, will you? Do you know? 
I, you know, different people have some suggestions about ah, that. Okay. It would be speculative, of course. <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard any speculative suggestions? <laughs> well, my roommate in college said he thought that he and the apostles had a pickup game of football. and He was right in the play on the Run ground. The <laughs> well, that's one speculation. Uh, the speculation I had heard that maybe he was even beginning to list particular sins. Mm. And people nearby would say, oh, I did that. Yikes. I did that. Yikes. Um, and then also on that writing on the ground, I know I've read a couple of different books teaching teachers how to teach, and they're like, look, use visual aids. <laughs> Jesus drew on the ground, and so make Too a bad better, he didn't have a whiteboard. So make a better PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one I'm going to think is probably not what's going on here. <laughs> Oh, man. So, you know, the the part of the story that really gets me is that I think had I been any of these guys bringing this woman along and he said, you who are without sin cast the first stone, I'd like, well, that doesn't make sense. Mm. Everybody has sinned, but there are still some laws that are punishable by death. And she's committed one of those. I haven't committed one of those, Mm. which makes me think that Jesus is not strictly saying if you've ever committed a sin. I think Jesus is highlighting something about what's going on right now. The, The realization that these guys have brought her in, they need to understand they're sinning not just Sometime they've sinned, Mm -hmm. but they're involved in actual sin at this very moment. I think about just some of the Mm. issues here. Number one, how did they catch her? Yeah. How did they catch her and not catch the man? Yeah, that's right. Why are they bringing her to Jesus if this is the whole case anyway? I mean, why aren't they just dealing with it? It's he is highlighting right. they their have hypocrisy. A Sanhedrin, I think. Right? Yes. Why, why are you bothering me with this? I I think Jesus is digging even deeper just in this. I could be wrong about that. Maybe it is just a, anybody who's ever sinned. You're not allowed to cast a stone on this. But I really think he's not not dealing with just ever and anything. It's right now, guys, this whole scenario just stinks. Mm. It stinks like rotten fish, and you guys are all involved in hypocrisy right now, and the one here who's not actually sinning in this scenario, you cast the first stone. And it seems that the older men Mm -hmm. are picking up what Jesus is saying quicker. Mm -hmm. The younger men, a little bit more hot-headed, a little bit more bold, a little bit more stubborn, but as they watch their older compatriots slowly walk away, they begin. it begins to dawn on them the situation they're in, and they all leave as well. I mean, when you think about it in that light, it really does drive home the level of malice and hate they have towards Jesus. Yes. That they're willing to drag some lady into the situation and potentially kill her. Uh, just to have some kind of dirt on Jesus, to yeah. try to get at Jesus. Or to make him wow. look bad in front of the crowds, to be able to get him executed by the Romans, mm-hmm. all of this. But now now here's the cool thing, though, is that whatever Jesus means by that statement, whether he means in this scenario or whether he means in in general ever, there is one person in that crowd who has not ever committed a sin, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he says that what he is not going to do is stand up and pick the stone. He says, if none of these are going to condemn you, I'm not going to condemn you either. Mm-hmm. And so he chooses not to pick up the stone yeah. and throw it at her. And, of course, this sets the stage because what Jesus is actually going to do long term is rather than throwing the stones at her, he will receive the stone. That's right. Uh Metaphorically, because yeah, actually cross. he's going to be crucified. Right, <laughs> they're not going to stone yeah. him. He's going to be crucified. So that and that's the grace and truth you were talking about. Yes, that's the grace and truth. 
And it's something that is so special about Christ and about the Christian message. Uh, you know, Edwin, I've done a lot of, of study and teaching and writing upon uh, the religion of Islam. Yeah, yeah. Reading the Quran and learning about that. And uh, in the religion of Islam, there's two sources of authority. There is the Quran, which is uh, a collection of the sayings and sermons of their prophet Muhammad, uh, believed to have existed forever on tablets in paradise. But there's no narrative in the Quran, so it's very difficult to interpret. And so Muslims look to a second body of literature as an interpretive key and also authoritative. These are called the traditions or the hadith. 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 Okay. This collection of traditions is stories and narrative about Muhammad uh, that were told by some of his wives and some of his followers, but many times they offer a context to some of the things that were taught in the Quran. Anyway, it's very important. There's different sets of these traditions, and one that is most widely accepted is al-Bukhari's hadith, okay, that Muslims believe these things happen. Al-Bukhari's as in possessive, so the guy's name is al-Bukhari? A-L... You don't yeah. have to spell it, but I mean, is, is that what you're saying? It's a fella named Al-Bakari? Correct. Okay, this, right. That would be uh, the uh, collector, the redactor. Okay, all okay. right. Uh, Mr. Bukhari. Anyhow, uh, this story is in that hadith, okay? A story about the Islamic prophet Muhammad. One time, a woman was brought to Muhammad who had committed adultery. They asked, what shall we do with her? This Ma- sounds familiar. Uh-huh. Muhammad said, go away, bring her back after the baby is born. So they brought her back after the baby was born. And Muhammad said, let her go and nurse the child. Bring her back when the child is two years old. So they brought her back. And Muhammad said, take the baby from her and kill her. And that is what they did. And we can compare Muhammad to Jesus When we think about our reading today of a time when people brought a woman to Jesus who'd been caught in adultery, asking, shall we stone her? And how did Jesus reply? Let him who was without sin cast the first stone. And of course, everybody went away. And as you pointed, the sinless one actually encouraged her to go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And the question becomes, who do you want to follow? Do you want to follow Muhammad or do you want to follow Jesus? Wow. Okay. Wow. I mean, I'm just like, wow. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that says, I, I bet in in some vein, Muhammad with that thought he was being merciful because we'll allow her to have the child. We'll allow her to go ahead and wean the child. Um, now somebody else is going to raise that child. That's right. But she still has to pay for her sin. Yeah. And I actually discussed this hadith with, with an imam. Mm. And that was one of the points that he made to me. He's like, but she needed to die for that sin. She wanted justice to be done. That way she could go to paradise. Because, and I think this is something to highlight, there is no savior in the religion of Islam. You mm. do pay for your sins. Interesting. But that's what I wanted to explain. Well, then again, we see the difference because in Christianity, there is a savior. As you said a moment ago, that Jesus Christ would take the the slings and the penalty for sin Mm. for the sinner. Yeah. There's nothing like that in the religion of Islam. He pays the debt. Mm -hmm. He pays the debt. We don't have to pay the debt. His sacrifice cleanses us, covers that sin. That is... That is fantastic. I, I almost don't even want to go on to the, the point that I was wanting to make from this just because that's so stellar. 
But since we only get five conversations, we got other things to talk about this week. Throughout <laughs> the, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and throw this one in right here at the end because one of the things that concerns me is is that having taken joy and comfort in the grace and mercy and truth of Jesus who is willing to allow himself to be sacrificed so that we don't have to die, that being in Christ, that righteous requirement of the law, which is that the soul who sins will die, Yes, that we have fulfilled that when we have died in Christ, mm-hmm. when we have died mm-hmm. to sin in baptism and entered Christ, his fulfillment of that, his dying on the cross, uh, we are a part of that. And so that, that righteous requirement has been filled in us when we are in Christ. What a powerful thing that is. But it's almost, for some today... It seems that they think this whole story ends with Jesus simply saying, neither do I condemn you. As if as if the entire message is, is that God is just like this big grandpa in the sky who's who has said, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But when we do that anyway, it's like, oh, come on over here, you knucklehead. Just gives us uh, a pat, pat on the head and sends us on our way. But Jesus actually doesn't end with neither do I condemn you. He ends with go and sin no more. The, the the grace here in allowing her to live is not simply, I don't ever condemn anybody for anything. Yeah, it, it's not. It, there was no justification for adultery right. in this scenario. Right. There was a whole lot of sin all the way around in this scenario. But he doesn't want any of it to perpetuate and continue. And this is one of those places where we are reminded that the grace of the Lord is not permission to turn back to sin Mm -hmm. when we're in Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, the grace of the Lord is permission to turn back to Jesus when we're in sin. And that, that's the thing that we have to remember. But he does end with, go and sin no more. Let's be in Jesus. What, and, and man, why wouldn't you want to be in Jesus? Mm-hmm. Considering this contrast you've given us today, why would we want to be anywhere else but in Jesus? That's the only place where there's forgiveness and life. But that, let's not use that as a license to sin, because that's not being in Jesus. Amen. How about you wrap us up with a prayer, brother? Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you that we can study your word and begin to read John chapter 8. Uh, Father, I, I'm praying for our uh, evangelistic effort in sharing the word locally here at Livingston Church this week. And I pray, Father, that you might bring many people to hear your gospel preached, and particularly as we assemble together this Sunday. Father, as we're reading John 8, I am just reminded that I want to follow Jesus, that there's something so special, unique, and beautiful about a Savior who is grace and who is truth. Father, who encourages us to repent and to sin no more. And that's true. We need that message. But he will forgive us and wash away our sins by his precious sacrifice. Father, we pray that we might always follow Jesus and share this wonderful news with those people who are without him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.